All right, I want us to draw our attention to verse 22 of Proverbs chapter 11. It says, As a jewel of gold and a swine snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. And that's what I'm going to preach about tonight, a jewel of gold and a swine snout. That's kind of a ugly picture right there. And we see, actually, in the book of Proverbs, a lot of ugly pictures painted. We're going to look at some of them. But notice this very specific one that he does. I mean, pigs are obviously gross things. A pig's nose is not a beautiful thing, not something that you want to really behold. Uh, it's not, uh, yeah, it's just not pleasant to look at. But, you know, jewels of gold, you know, those are nice. You know, those are, you know, they're beautiful things. Uh, gold is something that's precious. And so here he's talking about just like when you, because when you see that jewel of gold, even though that itself is a beautiful thing, when it's surrounded by the snout of a swine, you just don't really enjoy it, do you? You know, it just, it really doesn't matter. You know, who cares how pretty that gold ring is or whatever? It's, I can't help but see all that swine snout around it. And the Bible said that's what it's like for a fair woman without discretion. Obviously, you know, beauty in a woman is a great thing and we like that. But if that woman is beautiful and she has no discretion, then we've got a real problem there. Because you know what it's saying? Discretion is way more important than beauty. And often, and think about it, in our society today, you know, they make a really big deal about beauty. You know, they have beauty pageants and things, but how often have they had discretion pageants where we're just looking for wise women? And, you know, and even when they have the beauty pageants and they have the thing where they ask them questions, it's always whoever gives the most politically correct answer, you know, to anything. And, you know, it's just an absolute joke. And Brother Austin talked about it this morning. It's like Women's History Month or whatever, or week or something like that. And all they do is proclaim all the sorry virtues that are out there. Not even virtues, just in virtues. <laughs> and the things that are actually good about women, they don't even talk about. But again, in this passage, it's just giving us an image in our head of something beautiful surrounded by something disgusting. And the Bible often uses this type of example to explain things that are hypocritical. Uh, in Matthew chapter 23, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. So tithing is good, but judgment, mercy, and faith are better. But what is it people often do? They often have these massive problems in their life but what do they want to do? They all want to highlight this one virtue that they have in their life. And you know what? Thank God for the virtue. Okay? Listen, if somebody ever gives me a pig, I hope it's got a jewel of gold in it, you know, because then I'd like to have that. But at the same time, you know, I really don't care that much about the pig. And you know what? It's good to tithe, but you know what? Judgment, mercy, faith are better. Beauty is good, but discretion is better. Who cares if you're tithing if you don't have these other things? Who cares if you're beautiful and you're a woman and you don't have discretion? There's, and so um, in Matthew 23, verse 27, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within are full of hypocrisy, and iniquity. And let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with something looking good on the outside, but it's more important to be good on the inside. 
Who cares if you look good on the outside and within you're full of dead men's bones spiritually? And that's why Jesus said, you're like a sepulcher. Those things always appear beautiful, but look at what's inside them. It's something gross. It's something disgusting. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, it says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? There's nothing wrong with helping people with their small problems, but you should probably be more concerned about your bigger problem, you know, your bigger personal problem that you have. You know, we've got a lot of people that are real quick to go, you know, try to pick on everybody's flaws, pick on everybody's moats, while they just ignore massive problems in their life. You know what? That is, we hate that when we see that kind of thing. Nobody wants to see that. And so whenever people have major flaws in their life, while going around talking about one strong point in their life, you know what it's like? It's like looking at a jewel of gold in a swine snout. You know, you have people out there that are deadbeat dads, abusive husbands, and then yet, but I go soul winning. Great. Let's, we'll point at the jewel of gold in that swine snout. I'm glad you're a soul winner. That's good. You know, Jesus, He didn't have a problem with the Pharisees and their tithing. But he wished they had had judgment, mercy, and faith too. And you know what? I would never want to take away the soul winning from somebody, but I really wish you'd get these other things taken care of in your life too. You know, you've got these people that are always all over the internet attacking everybody, attacking good, godly people, and they live as wicked as the devil, but on Saturday they go out soul winning and so they feel like they can attack all these people. So it's like jewel of gold in a swine snout. That's what I see. You know what? I just have a tough time appreciating that one little jewel that you have because I'm seeing a life surrounded by all this ugly. And you know what? Nobody wants to see that. Nobody likes that kind of thing. So this is just kind of illustrating just not so, not so much just hypocrisy, but just really bad priorities. Because discretion is a lot better. So the bottom line, everyone just needs to get their priorities right. Too often, our priorities are nothing like God's priorities. We've all created a system where the most important thing in the world is what we have right. And then we go around just judging everybody else. And then when people point out our flaws, well, okay, yeah, we got that flaw really bad, but you know, we've declared this thing the most important thing and we've got it right. So you know what? Who are you to say anything against us? No, we're just jewel of gold in a swine snout. That's all that is. But what I want to focus on in this message is the same thing that Solomon was focusing on in this proverb, discretion. Because obviously we can learn, we learn from this passage, discretion is a very important thing. While our world values beauty, and I think everybody values beauty. I don't think it's, there's nothing wrong with beauty, but discretion is so much better. And so think, and, and again, our world puts a lot of emphasis on this while no one wants to talk about discretion. And you know what? We need to not let the world dictate our priorities. And we need to stay more focused on the more important things in life. So what exactly is discretion? Because we don't use the word exactly the way it was used in the Bible today. But uh, let's look at a few verses in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4. Talking, when he's explaining the purpose of the Proverbs, it says to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Now turn over to Proverbs chapter 2. So, He's, that, that's the whole point of Proverbs, is trying to give wisdom. The uh, writer is writing to his son, trying to explain, hey, here's some little jewels that you can have in your life, some little nuggets of wisdom that are going to protect you from all kinds of things. And he says in chapter 2, verse 11, 
Discretion shall preserve thee. Understanding shall keep thee. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man. From the man that speaketh forward things. There are people out there today that are, going, that are trying to lie to you. And you know what you need? Discretion. The ability to spot a liar. The ability to discern truth. Sometimes there's, you know, it's not a matter of just, we got a Bible verse for something. You know, a lot of times we just don't know what's going on. A lot of times we don't know if somebody's truthful. We don't have any way to prove anything. But you know what? You need to ask the Lord to give you discretion and the wisdom to judge this person and to judge this situation to make sure we know what to do. It says, who, who leave the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they forward in their paths to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. I want you to notice the extreme language here. I mean, it's just talking about a strange woman. And he's saying here, that her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again. Neither take they hold of the paths of life. I mean, this sounds like one of these scary stories, like these scary legends, like don't go in that house. Kids who go play in that yard, they disappear and they end up in the house and they're never seen again. Have you ever, have you ever heard those stories like that? Now, what are the point of those stories? You know, they're trying to strike fear in people's hearts. Maybe as a parent, you know, you've told your kids, don't go into those woods. You know, there's all kinds, you know, we taught, you know, my dad, when I was a kid, he would scare us with jagulars and knibbidobbins and all these things. And we're like, what are those things? I don't know to this day. And I, we scare our kids with those same things. Right, right, Kelly? We talk about knibbidobbins and jagulars. I think jagulars from Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I think we stole that. But, uh, you know, we, we tell these, you know, you tell these stories. Now, why do you tell your little kids things like that? You know, why do your kids, why, why do you tell your kids these stories? Because they can't understand the dangers that are out there. You know, when, when they're three years old, they don't understand why they can't just go walk the streets on their own. So, you know what you have to just do as a parent? You know, you gotta, you gotta say scary stuff. And that's pretty much what Solomon's doing right here. And I'll, I'll say more about that in a little bit. I don't believe this is lying, deceptive, or anything like that. In fact, you know, when I was preparing for this, I started thinking about uh, when my boys were little. I used to tell them stories about Fudge all the time. That was the name of a kid. You guys remember Fudge? And he was this fat kid that never did what his parents wanted him to do. And I would tell all these... It was, it was always about Fudge was his name. And uh, I remember the, the, what inspired him, the boys were having trouble remembering to flush the toilet. And I remember, you know, and so I started telling about toilet bugs. Have you ever seen those little bugs, those tiny little flies that are always in dirty bathrooms and stuff? And so I would always, I would always tell them, if you don't flush a toilet, toilet bugs are going to come. Well, they didn't seem to care. So I started telling scary stories about Fudge who never flushed a toilet and the toilet bugs would come and take... You know, I told him a scary story one night and I remember we were laying in bed and all, and all of a sudden I hear Tommy just go in the bathroom and flush a toilet. And I was like, you go into the bathroom again? He's just like, no, I just couldn't remember if I flushed a toilet. And, you know, and, and that was a way of... You know, that was the only way we can get him to flush a toilet. We had to make him think all these terrible, scary things are going to happen. You think you're a terrible parent. Maybe, you know, we probably messed them up a little bit, but you know what? They flushed the toilet. All right. <laughs> and so pretty much anything we wanted to get them to do, I would tell them all these stories about Fudge getting kidnapped and all these terrible things happening to him. Why? Because I wanted them to know you're not supposed to talk to strangers. Don't go with strange people. Because 
at that age, they can't possibly understand, you know, why all these things. So you just, you tell them scary stories. You think, Pastor, why would you do something like that? My dad did the same kind of thing to me growing up. I was scared of all kinds of stuff. And, you know, and I think, I, I think it was good. It protected me and it kept me from doing dumb stuff. And that's kind of what Solomon's doing. He's, because when you have no discretion, okay, we, we do understand there are horrible things that can happen to you. There are great misery that you can find yourself in. And while, you know, we often don't know how to put these things in words. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but so what, you know, what do we do? It's like, it's hard to explain to your daughter just how horrible her life is going to be if she ends up with a bum. So, you know, you know, what do you do? All right. You know, you know, what do you do to explain, you know, what she's in for? And I think we do like Solomon did here. He's saying, I mean, their, uh, you know, her house is the way to death. That's what you got to tell your boys. They'll just see that good looking girl that's out there. But as parents, you understand what that is. You understand what she is. We know a strange woman when we see one. And young people, often all they can see is the beauty. But as parents, we see, you know, that we see that young man who's broken up because, you know, she cheated on him and she left him and she took the kids and she took all his money and all these things that potentially happen if they end up with the wrong guy. We understand that heartbreak, but they have a tough time understanding what that's like. So we just say, she'll make you miserable. Her house is, it's the way to death. And we, we're going to see several examples like that in the Bible. And we just use really extreme things. Why? Because even though what we are describing is probably not literally what's going to happen, it is exactly how people are going to feel. And so all these things we're doing, it's just to, it's, it's just to warn. And so uh, let's keep reading in Proverbs 2. So it says in verse 20 that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. So uh, just some extreme language there. Just warning uh, about the dangers of not having discretion. In, in uh, Proverbs 19.11 it says, The discretion of man deferreth his anger. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Someone who has some wisdom understands, you know what, when I'm angry, I get in a lot of trouble. So you know what, I'm just going to calm down right now. I'm not going to make any rash decisions right now because I could potentially make a lot of mistakes and really mess some things up for myself. And so you know what, I'm not going to react according to the way I feel at this moment. You know what that is? That's just discretion. That's wisdom speaking right there. How many of us have made some really bad decisions in a moment of anger that we regretted greatly? And you know what? Hopefully you learn from that and you say, you know what? Next time, I'm just not going to make the decision. You know, next time I get really mad about something, I'm going to give myself a week or two before I decide, you know, before I just walk off the job or something. I'm going to give myself some time to make sure it's the right thing. So this word, the modern definition of the word discretion I looked this up online. Uh, it says the the power or right to decide or act according to one's own judgment, freedom of judgment or choice, the quality of being discreet, especially with reference to one's own actions, speech, prudence or decorum. So a lot of times when we say, you know, hey, I, I you know, you can do this according to your discretion. 
We often use that word saying basically, however you decide, I trust you. Okay? It would be like if I was going to be gone for a while and I left somebody in charge here at the church and like, how am I supposed to handle things? You can act at your own discretion. Meaning, I, you know, I trust your judgment. And that's kind of the way we use the word today. Another definition in the modern dictionary is judicious in one's conduct or speech, especially with regard to respecting privacy or maintaining silence about something of a delicate nature. And so that's the way we use that word a lot. But that's not the way it's being used here in the Bible. In the Webster's 1828 dictionary, I think we get a much more um, accurate definition that lines up with how the Bible uses it. And it means prudence or knowledge in prudence, that discernment which enables a person to judge critically of what is correct and proper, united with caution, nice discernment and judgment directed by circumspection and primary regarding one's own conduct. So right there, that's more like what we see in the Bible. It's basically just good judgment is what discretion is. A person with discretion in the Bible is somebody who they are capable of looking at a situation, analyzing it, and making some good choices and not doing stupid stuff. That's basically what it means. So it's basically good judgment. And the whole point of the book of Proverbs is trying to teach good judgment. It's trying to give wisdom to the simple so they make good choices. Because again, what is the point of a woman having beauty if she's only going to allow some bum into her life who's going to treat her terrible? You know, what's, the, what's the point of beauty if you're just going to live a wicked life? Some things are much more important than beauty. Beauty's good. But there's things that are so much more important, so much more valuable. And so what I want to do in this message is I want to try to paint a picture in your, in your mind the best that I can with Bible's help of someone who is without discretion. Okay? Not just the women, but even men too. Young men, old men, people without discretion. It's a scary thing. Okay? And you should be scared of not having discretion. Parents, you should fear your children not having discretion, not having some wisdom. And so this is what Solomon does throughout the book of Proverbs. He's trying to get his son to understand the potential dangers that are out there. And some things are hard to explain. It's hard to explain misery. It's hard to explain heartache to someone. You know, it's hard to explain. How how do you explain just deep regret? How do you put that into words? And guilt, remorse. But these are real things that have lasting pain. These things create conflict in our lives. And it's difficult to put these things into words. And we don't want our children to have to deal with these things. And Solomon, he uses some of the metaphors that he does to just try to give people an idea of what it will be like. Because we can't, I, I, I can't get up here and just accurately describe all the details of your life if you don't have discretion. I can't do that, but at the same time, I can give some general ideas of what it's going to be like. But because I can't paint an accurate picture, because I don't have a crystal ball where I can see the future i got to kind of speak in general terms. And, you know, obviously what I'm going to try to do is scare everyone. Why? Because it, you will be miserable. Okay? Your, life, uh, I mean, your, your life will be a wreck if you do not have these things. And so we're going to look at some illustrations Solomon used. Okay? And what's interesting about these illustrations, something everybody needs to keep in mind in here, 
the older everyone is in here, I think the more you're going to be able to relate to these illustrations. Again, I want you to picture something literal in your head. And that's where a lot of you, the younger you are, probably the more literal you're going to take this stuff. The older you are, probably the less literal you're going to take this stuff. But, you, but because of the fact, too, you're going to be kind of applying some real-life situations and circumstances that you've seen. And so, the, uh, the thing is, you know, hopefully, um, you know, the, you know so, the, so the younger that you are, the more of these things, they might not make sense to you, but hopefully, the way they're worded, the images will scare you. You know, and, and so what are some of these illustrations that Solomon used. So go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 1 in verse 4. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 4. He says to give subtly to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. He goes on explaining what a wise man. He talks about uh, the purpose of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord. Then, But jump down to uh, verse 9. He says, For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. Okay? Now, typically today in our culture, um, we don't have guys going around wearing ornaments on their heads and chains on their necks. All right? When I think of a chain on the neck, I think of a gangbanger. Right? But uh, that's not really how it works in our culture today. But at the same time, he's saying wisdom, discretion, all these things, it are going to be like that ornament, that item of beauty that someone might wear that gets people's attention. If you're somebody that has wisdom, you're going to get people's attention just with that, which is better. Okay? It's better to have wisdom than a gold chain or some ornament on your head. Uh, is he speaking literal here? Is he speaking figurative? He's clearly speaking figurative here. And you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to put a picture in his son's head of that guy walking down the street just all decked out that everybody's looking at and admiring. And he's trying to say, that's going to be you if you have wisdom. So it's not literally like that, but figuratively... Uh, he, he's definitely speaking here. So he goes on to say, uh, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause, let us swallow them up alive as the grave, and whole as those that go down to the pit, who shall find all precious substance? We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Watch this. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Notice here it says there's a net spread for them. It's like a trap. Okay? Uh, you know, have you ever seen on TV shows where people walk through the woods and then all of a sudden they get snatched up in that net and pulled up into a tree? You know, that's a trap, right? That's a snare. And you know what he's saying to his son? Listen, if you go following after sinners, you go following after wicked men, you're going to end up in a net like them. You're going to end up trapped like them and then that hunter's going to come along and he's going to take you out and do knows who, know, who knows what with you. Hey, what Now, here's the thing. Has any of us ever seen a sinner get taken up in a literal net? Absolutely not. However, I have seen sinners get caught in a net. 
You know what? You know what it is for a lot of them? Addiction. Some there's people out there. They are literally in a net in a trap of alcohol addiction. They can't get over it. Drug addiction. They can't get a good job. You know why? Because they can't pass a drug test. They can't keep a job because they can't stay sober. They're literally trapped by these things. They've ruined their lives. There's people, there's men, there's that have, or young ladies who have killed their chances of ever marrying a decent person. You know why? Because they caught in a net and a trap of going and sleeping around, of going and fornicating. They've defiled themselves. They've ruined themselves. Some of these people, they've got diseases and things. They didn't get literally caught up in a trap and in a net, but they got caught in a, a trap, figuratively speaking, where they don't have the same chances that the rest of us do. They don't have the freedom that a lot of you who haven't got caught in these nets do. And you know what he's just telling his son? I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how they're going to destroy your life. But I'll tell you this right now. You get caught up with a bunch of sinners. It's going to ruin your life. You're going to get caught in a net. Your life's going to be trapped. You're not going to be able to do the things you want to do. You're not going to have the freedom that you want to have. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. So again, this net, it's not a real thing. It's, or it's not a literal net. It's figurative. And so he's not lying to his son when he tells him there's a net spread for him that's going to take them up. He's not lying. There is one figuratively, and it's not going to be good. So these statements he's making, they're very general and only give one example of something specific you know that, uh, that they did here where he talks about them laying wait for blood, all these things. But yet, isn't this applicable in so many areas? And you know what? The older you are, the more stories you could tell of someone or even yourself where you experience this very thing. Where you maybe got caught in a net. And maybe by God's grace, He delivered you out of there. He pulled you out of that. He pulled you out of that net. And a lot of people have been in nets before. There's a lot of saved people. I mean, they literally got thrown in jail. Listen, going, going to jail, going to prison, getting a criminal record, that can make it really difficult for you to get a good job. And you know what? And thank God we even got people in this church. They've been through some of these things. They've given their testimonies. And you know what? They were, they were literally in a net. They were literally in prison. But you know what? God in His mercy delivered them out of that. And now they're doing fine. Now they're victorious. But you know what? It doesn't always happen that way with people. And I would prefer to not take a chance. I would prefer to never get caught up in the net. I'm thankful for a God that can restore people out of prison. I thank God for that. I, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But you know what? I prefer to not get restored. You know, just to not, or not need to get restored. That's what I would prefer. I would prefer to not get caught up in the net. I would prefer not to waste those years. And so, how that looks is different. You know, again, God can pull people out of drug addiction. God can pull people out of being an alcoholic and things like that. God has done that many times, but we need to understand these are real traps. These are real nets. And so, you know what, kids, if sinners entice you, consent thou not. If they try to talk you into taking that drink, just try this out. Don't do it. Just smoke this joint. Don't do it. Okay? Just say no. And you know what? And parents, you need to do that kind of thing. You need to tell your kids, kids, don't take drugs. But at the same time, too, how are you going you know, to explain that to them? Okay? You know, how, you know, I mean, you, know, you got you know, Cameron there. How do you explain to Cameron why drugs are so bad? Okay? But I think you ought to start telling them young why drugs are so bad. And, you know, my dad, you, you know, he used to, said he would come up with things, you know, he would come up with crazy things. I did the same thing with my kids. 
You know, I tell my kids things like, hey, listen, you ever do drugs? I mean, you're going to get meth mouth. You know what that is? And you know what you do? You Google meth mouth images and you show them pictures of nasty teeth. That's what happens to people like that. You know, you show them, I, I'm, I'm all for traumatizing kids a little bit if it'll protect them from really bad things. You know, take them out soul winning in some of these drug areas and stuff, in some of these ghettos, and let them see the people out there whose lives are just a wreck. Show them the houses. Say, that's the kind of house you're going to live in if you do drugs. When, you go, you know, when you're out soul winning and you go into that house that's got beer cans all over the place, you know what you tell your boys? This is what happens when you drink. This is the kind of house you're going to live in one of these days. Uh, you, do you literally know that's the house they're going to end up in? Listen, it can manifest, you know, the miserable life of a drunkard can manifest itself in many different ways. You know, you might not even live in a house like that. You might be dead, smashed up on the side of the road, all bloody because you didn't have enough discernment. You didn't have enough, you know, when you were drunk to know you shouldn't be out driving and you went and you got yourself killed or maybe got somebody else killed. Let your kids understand. These are the dangers that are out there. These are the things that can happen. I don't know which thing is going to happen. So you know what? I just I make to my kids like any all those things are going to happen to you. Because any one of them will ruin your life. Any one of them will make you miserable. So go ahead, you know, paint the scary picture. I mean, don't traumatize them too bad. You don't want them to have to get therapy or anything like that. But you know, I am thankful for some of the things that my my dad scared me with. Growing up, and I have, I have always been terrified of beer. I've always been terrified of cigarettes. I've always been terrified of all those things. I remember when I was a little kid, we used to sing that song about the devil, and we would talk about. Uh, there was a verse we talk about how tobacco is a dirty old weed from the devil. It does proceed, and there was a line on there: "Stains your teeth, stains your clothes, makes a chimney out of your nose." And this is what we were taught to do. Whenever we would sing that song, I don't know why we did it. This is how we were taught it. You know, we would like push our nose up like that. And I remember as a little kid thinking, if you smoke, it's going to make your nose go up like that and look weird. That was what I thought as a little kid. Okay. Now, I will, uh, let, me, now let me tell you, I didn't want to smoke when I was a little kid because I was afraid to turn up my nose. And I didn't want to have a turned up nose that looked like a pig. All right. But let me just say, that wasn't true that that's what would happen. It, was, it would actually be a lot worse what could happen. You know, lung cancer is worse than an ugly nose. It really is. And so there's a lot of, you know, I mean, think about all the money you waste, I, I, you, know, you know, that you throw away. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen. You know, you can get throat cancer. There's, there's so many things. And I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not mad. I don't know that my dad told me it'll turn your nose up if you do that. I, I don't know that he told, that, that was the image I got in my head. But even if my dad told me, it'll make you look like you have a pig nose. If you do that, if my dad told me that, I'm not mad at him for making me think that because it would actually have been a whole lot worse. And, you know, it could have been. And I, I, I didn't know how to understand those things back then. But I'm glad it, it put a healthy fear. Of those, and I'm telling you, I'm still scared of those things today. And I, I don't even want to think about trying that stuff. So uh, go back to Proverbs chapter 2. So Solomon gives the image of a young man who gets in the wrong crowd and ends up in a net. Here and then in chapter two, we already looked at this passage. Um, here we have a young man who is deceived by the froward. He says, um, 
when in verse 10, when wisdom entereth into the heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee and understanding shall keep thee to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things. There are wicked people out there who know how to deceive people into following the things of the flesh. We've got to understand those people are out there. There, there are people out there who they understand what your flesh likes, what it's interested in, and they want to deceive you. They want to get your money. They want to ruin your life, whatever it is. And so he goes on and he explains what will happen. And he said, if you're just giving yourself whatever it wants, okay? If you have this attitude, even as a young kid, I give myself whatever I want, whether that's play all the video games I want, watch all the TV I want, listen to any music I want, whatever it is, you just, if you have this attitude that says, I get whatever this flesh wants, eventually you know what you're going to want when you get older? The strange woman. That's what you're going to want. Eventually, that's where your desire is going to go. And he, and he goes on in here. He says to deliver thee from the strange woman. This is why you don't listen to the froward. This is why you don't listen to those who use the things of the flesh to draw you in. They are taking you down a path that leads you to the strange woman, even from the stranger with flatter, which flatters with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth. She doesn't listen to her parents either. And forgetteth the covenant of her God. She doesn't listen to the Word of God. She does whatever she feels like doing. For her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go in unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. And folks, I have seen so many people that have taken the path of the froward, they've listened to the words of the froward, and they ended up in the house of the strange woman. And let me tell you something, when they went in there, when they went into her house, they walked out of that house again. When they went into that house, they didn't die. But I will say this, when they came out of that house, something changed. When they came out of that house, their life wasn't the same anymore. They ruined their future. They ruined their ability to do a lot of things and, and a lot of great opportunities that God had for them. And so while they physically didn't drop dead, their life became worthless as a result of what they did. And so, you know, I don't know, you don't, you don't know how to explain that. To a young child, you don't know, because again, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. If my daughter goes and she marries some bum, I don't know exactly what that marriage is going to look like. But I do know this, that she's going to be miserable. It could lead to something like an abusive husband, a guy that beats her up. A guy that cheats on her, a guy that gives her diseases, a guy that's not going to take care of her, a guy that's going to dump her. I, I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I, can, I know this. It's going to make her miserable. It will ruin her life. And whatever I've got to say, whatever I can do to just illustrate to her that it's just going to be bad. It's going to be really horrible. I want to do that as a parent. And I'm not lying. Okay? None, of these things, none of these things that we're saying are lying because haven't you been there before where you've been talking to people and they're talking like they're dead? Like they're just dead inside. I mean, there's people out there too that have literally gone on and just killed themselves. I mean, they, they literally did die. But there's many people that are out there, they, they feel like they're dead inside. You know why? Because they've made all these wrong choices. 
They feel like their life's not even worth living. You know, they, they don't even know how to express the misery that they feel. And often that's what causes them to turn to drugs and all these other things. Just try to find some moment of peace somewhere. And that is the life of so many people out there today. And we all, those of us who are older and that have been around, we understand how they got there. We understand how they got there, but we also understand everyone's situation is unique. Everyone's end result is a little bit different. And while we can't tell our kids, this is exactly how your life's going to be. This is exactly the house you're going to live in. This is the person you're going to end up with. This is specifically what they're going to do to you on this day. We can't know any of that stuff. So you know what do we do? We just basically tell them horrible stuff. Because it will. It will be horrible stuff. And I'm telling you right now, whatever we, you, we, and kids understand this, whatever your parents tells you that strikes that fear in your heart, understand if you actually end up in these places that they're warning you about, the way you feel during those times are going to be much worse than what you're thinking of right now. That's how, that's how miserable people are. You know, I mean, again, it's sad how many people have just gone on and committed suicide. It's, you know, it's, it's sad how many people have, gone on and just the you know their situations i mean nobody would want it and but we don't know how to put these things into words and even solomon as wise as he was he couldn't give a detailed accurate description of what his situation would be so he spoke in very general terms and he made these things out to be horrible and again you kids might be thinking he was lying to his son but those of us that are older is like no he's not lying I get what he's trying to say right here. I get what he's trying to express. And he's right. Because I've seen people that went into her house, went into that strange woman's house, and they never came out the same. They never came out of it. They never returned. So turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 19, it says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Okay, again, is this literal? Are, are, are wise, are, are foolish people dead? No, they're, they got oxygen in their lungs. They got brain activity. Their heart's beating. Okay, there, you know, so again, he's speaking figuratively. He says, there's grace to thy neck. How do you have grace on your neck? Again, figuratively speaking here, trying to paint a good picture. Then he says, when thou liest down, or it says, then shalt thou walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. So does this mean people who have wisdom never trip and fall? So if I see somebody trip and fall outside, you obviously don't have wisdom. no. This is talking figuratively again, because we've all been there when we've actually been out walking a path and you stumble, you fall and you get hurt. Well, sometimes in life, people stumble and fall, figuratively speaking, and it hurts them. It causes great pain. There's no bruises on them. Okay? They're not cut. They're not bleeding. But folks, is that, not, is that hurt not just as real? You know how many people have been hurt in life emotionally, spiritually, where they would have rather broken their leg. They would have rather broken their leg, literally, than to have what happened to them. You know why? Because you can heal up from that stuff fast. 
Some of these other things, when you stumble and fall in life, it can leave lasting pain. Again, no physical bruises. You can go to the doctor. They're not going to find anything wrong with you. Again, he's speaking figuratively. It says, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. So Solomon here, he's painting a good peaceful picture of a young man who has discretion listen young if you have discretion i mean you're going to be i mean you know we'd all probably say it a little bit different you're going to be like that guy out walking through the woods shooting deer i don't know that guy out on a boat catching fish you know what are you doing you're just trying to you're trying to paint a peaceful picture something that they something that anybody would want I mean, you're going to be like, you're, you know, you're going to be that guy going through the woods. He's not tripping. He's not falling. But let me tell you something. If you don't have wisdom, you don't have discretion. You're going to be that guy falling down a hill. You're going to be that guy falling into a pit. You're going to be that guy that gets caught up in a briar patch somewhere and gets all scratched up and scraped up. You're going to be that guy that gets attacked by a lion along the way. All these terrible things are going to happen to you. Again, we're speaking figuratively because we don't know what it's going to look like. But we understand it's going to be just as bad. It's going to be just as painful. If you don't have wisdom and you don't have discretion, turn over to Proverbs chapter 5. So Solomon painted a good picture here. In chapter 5, he paints a bad picture again of the strange woman. Now, you all know this passage. We're not going to take time to go through this whole passage, but this is where he behold, beholds among the youth a man void of understanding. A man, young man, this guy obviously has no discernment. And he's warning his son about going by the way of the strange woman, about going by her house. And he gives a literal story. Okay, I believe he's telling a literal story of something he saw. I was looking out my window and I did. I saw that young man. He's, he's going by her house. Everybody that goes into that woman's house, their life is ruined. And he said, and I saw him. I could tell by looking at him. I could tell by the way he acted. He was a young man. He was void of understanding. And boy, she did. I saw her talking to him. He was eating it up. She's telling him everything he wants to hear. And that guy is just eating it up. And he has no idea what he's in for. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. This young man that went in to that woman's house probably had a good time. And probably enjoyed himself very much. But Solomon, who has wisdom, who's been around, he understands that while he might have had some pleasure while he was in there, he, he, you know what he told his son? This is what really happened to him. Look at what it says in verse... Um, lost, oh, lost the spot. It says, for the, we'll start in verse 3, For the lips of the strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smooth as oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood and sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. So right there we see that, I mean, it's not good. What is going to mean? Her steps go down to hell. And then also in chapter 6, or um, I'm sorry, chapter 7. Chapter 7 is what I was thinking of before, where he's explaining beholding this young man. And then look what it says in verse 22. It says, He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Okay? An ox to the slaughter. They, when you see that cow getting taken to the butcher, he's not scared. It's too stupid to be scared. He doesn't know what's going on. And let me tell you, that cow 
is not concerned until a dart strikes through his liver. Then all of a sudden it cares. Then it reacts. But it's too late. It dies. It drops dead right there. And it says, till a dart strike through his liver, and as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. That bird that's out there, flying around, it sees that food in that snare, and it's all excited. Man, food, I'm excited. And it goes, and it's eating that food, it's having a good time, but all of a sudden, until it's snared and it's too late, and that hunter comes and it takes it, and it kills it, it doesn't even know that there's a problem. So, that ox going to a slaughter, that's a bad picture. And Solomon, that's what he saw when he saw that young man going into the house of that strange woman. He saw an ox going to the slaughter. Literally, that did not happen when he went in there, but figuratively, it did. That young man began a path of a life that no one would ever want. But unfortunately, there's things out there that are deceptive. He listened to the forward. And unfortunately today, young people are still falling for this stuff. You know why? Because they're watching all the filth and junk in Hollywood. They see all this stuff on TV. They see these people having a good time. They're not seeing the consequences of all these things. And they they do. They go like, all right, I'm going to take that path. And then they find themselves in divorce court. They find themselves in these horrible situations. And then they act like victims. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be unmerciful. But it's like, if you'd have had some discernment, you'd have seen this coming. You know, these girls that will let some guy shack up with her that's cheated on three other girlfriends. I feel bad for what's going to happen to this woman. But it's like, if you had a little bit of discretion, if you'd have had just a little bit of common sense, you would have seen this coming. And so again, that woman's beauty caused her to be able to get this guy, but understand that, you know what, while she probably thought it was good at first, because she had no discretion, now look at her. Her life is ruined, and so, okay, she was beautiful, whatever, but look at the mess her life is in right now. And it's like that jewel of gold in a swine snout. Who cares anymore? Who cares? Her life is wrecked. Her life is ruined. That beauty is just going to go away. It's not worth it. So discretion... It gives joy because a person who has discretion, they understand what they avoid when they do right. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. We looked at this earlier. It says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Now, I wonder how many in here before have, you know, maybe you just got lucky and you dodged the bullet. You know, maybe there was this girl that you thought about dating and you didn't date her. And maybe, you know, you were upset when it didn't work out, but now you look back and you're like, man, I dodged a bullet. You're like, man, thank God I didn't end up with that one. You were miserable when it didn't work out before. But now you're looking back and you're like, it makes you happy. Man, the misery that I missed out on and, you, and the truth is, too, if you have discernment, you know, you're going to experience that kind of thing all the time because of the fact that, hey, you know what? I could, you know, because even if you have discernment, temptation's still going to be there. But you know what? Once you do the right thing and you, you, you remove that temptation from you, you'll be able to sit back and see clearly and say, man, Lord, thank you for helping me not fall for that. 
And you'll understand you did. You dodged a bullet. You avoid. You, you stayed out of a mess. And you're going to be thankful. And so that young person without discretion, but with the wisdom to just listen to their parents, they'll, they're still going to avoid major conflict, but they just won't know it. Okay? And that's the other thing too. Okay, you know, you younger kids, you might not have a lot of discretion yet. Okay? But at the same time, you can still have wisdom by just trusting your parents, by just listening to them. And you are going to avoid so many problems, you're just not going to know it. You know, when we stop Kelly or Hannah from running in the streets, if they only knew what we saved them from, they don't know. They, you know, they can't comprehend what it's like to get ran over by a car. You know, they can't comprehend what it's like to get kidnapped. But we as parents, we understand, don't we? And so, you know, we don't feel bad even when they're crying and mad at us. For not letting, we don't feel bad at all. And you know what? God doesn't feel bad when we get upset with Him because things don't go our way exactly. Because God understands what He's protecting us from. And so you know what? Even if you don't understand what's going on, have the wisdom to just trust God. Have the wisdom to just trust the authority that's in your life. And then, uh, and then eventually, if you do practice that kind of wisdom, I believe God will give you discretion. And one of these days, you're going to look back at all the things that you avoided and you're going to rejoice. You know what you're going to do? You're going to rise up and call your mother blessed. You're going to be thankful for your father. And you're going to, you're going to talk about those things that he did and you will, it will bring you joy. You'll be glad because you will understand what you missed. But right now you can't get it. You can't understand it. I can't show you a crystal ball exactly what your house is going to be like, exactly what's going to be going on in your relationship. I can't show you those things. So you know what I'm going to do as a pastor? You know what I'm going to do as a parent? I'm just going to try to scare you to death however I can. I'm just going to try to tell you, imagine being married to Rosie O'Donnell. Imagine being married to Nancy Pelosi. You know, imagine something like that. Can you imagine, you know, waking up one morning and seeing that next to you? That's what's going to happen. You get out of the will of God. You know, you, you, you know, whatever, whatever it is, when you see that drunk driving accident, you know, you tell your kids, see that car? You know, you see that mangled up car? That's your car if you ever start drinking. And you're going to be inside it. You see that bloody mess all over the place? That's you. And you, folks, you're not, you're not, you're not lying. You're, you're just, because again, we can't possibly know these things exactly what it's going to look like but figuratively, those of us that have been around, we get it. We do. We get it. We understand it. And so we're going to keep doing these things just like Solomon did. And so, because uh, so every person needs to ask God to give them wisdom and discretion because there are heartaches out there that will bring pain that no one really knows how to describe. And these things can be avoided, but it will take faith. It's going to take patience. It's going to take self-control. It's going to take discretion. God wants you to have this, but rebellion is what will stop you from getting it. And trust me, it's not worth it. So then I do. I wish I was capable of painting a picture in your mind of what alcohol and drugs can do to your life. You know, I wish I could show you some of the things that you could see. You know, the outside results of that are that are just really bad, but the because the truth is the internal things are even worse. And so you know what? All we can do is just take these warnings serious. 
you know, and just say, you know, I don't want a dart to strike through my liver. And folks, I, and you, listen, young men, you go out there and you find that hussy, and you listen to her. I can promise you, literally speaking, a dart probably won't strike through your liver. Okay, but figuratively speaking, I guarantee it'll strike through your liver. You might have a bullet go through your liver because of an angry boyfriend or something. I mean, there's, there's bad stuff that can happen out there if you mess around with certain things. I don't know how it's going to play out, but it's bad. I've sat, I remember sitting in a Burger King parking lot one time and watching a fight over some girlfriend. It was absolutely ridiculous. It was a joke. I remember one time out here, not long after we moved out here, we were sitting in Wendy's and we watched two drunk guys get in a fight. Worst fight we ever saw. They were swinging all over the place. Nobody just landed a punch. I'm not kidding. Less than two minutes later, they were hugging and kissing each other in the cheek. You know, it, that was a mess. All right? I, and you know what? You do. You, you see stuff like that. You point to your kids. Do you want to be kissing a drunk guy in the cheek? That's going to be you. And what are we saying? Are we saying they're literally going to kiss a drunk guy in the cheek? No, we're saying you're going to make a fool of yourself. You get caught up in alcohol. That's what we're saying. And that's what Solomon was doing in here. And so, that jewel of gold in a swine snout. That's a fair woman without discretion. We, all of us, need discretion. And you know, if we, if we, don't, have, if we don't have that, you know, but we have this one great quality, who cares? Some things are more important. Wisdom, is, it's better than rubies. Discretion, it's way better than gold. Let's keep our focus on the things that really matter, not the things the world tells us to focus on. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was a help to everyone. I pray that everyone will be challenged in here, especially the young people, Lord. Help them to realize the dangers that are out there, Lord. There's, well, there's no way we can describe these things. I pray that uh, through these Proverbs, that it maybe has painted some pictures in their heads that will uh, scare them uh, away from these things. And if, Lord, those that are... Maybe they still don't understand it. I pray they'll just have the wisdom to just uh, trust you, to trust your word, trust their parents. And I pray that you'll protect them from those dangers that are out there. In your name we pray. Amen.